This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 384 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Wutzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's very comfortable 3-0 win against Wien Wiesbaden in the German Cup. The Bundesliga starts again against Eintracht Frankfurt, where I'll be joined by Brian Sanders from the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. And, of course, we will briefly chat about what we will expect of the season so this is sort of uh, the uh, season preview episode so if you will even though I feel like it's hard to preview the season if the transfer window is still not shut so maybe we'll do another more extended one after the international break but uh, yes for all that and more I am joined by Matthias Zug who as we pointed out on the last episode is starting with me into the 10th Bundesliga season yeah, that's a little little crazy. Um but uh thankfully that Buddhist, that sorry that DFB Pokal match was not crazy. But good to be here, Stefan. How are you? Oh, I'm 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 very good. As I said before, uh the uh little vacation I had did me worlds of good. Obviously, I also came home with about 50 mosquito bites. And <laughs> I'm still itching, but otherwise uh no, Cape Cod is very decent. It's not as hot as Philadelphia, I must say, and it's really kind of swampy here right now, so uh, cannot recommend. But what I do recommend is uh, sponsoring our episodes, uh, like the next two sponsors. We are completely schuldenfrei. We zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. Because we are sponsored by Jordan Hunt once again. And uh, he wants you to follow him on Twitter, <laughs> of all places, because he says he has 990 followers. I just checked on Twitter. Hunt underscore 1909 is his Twitter handle. Please give Jordan a follow. Long time Yellow Warpod listener. Good follow to have. And we're also sponsored by the Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London podcast for the B4B perspective from the island that can be found at macfadgen.podbean.com. I will put the link in the show notes. If you want to be a sponsor of an episode, get a shout out to your fan club, your Twitch channel or whatnot, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall for more information. Now, Matthias, uh, that we have the housekeeping out of the way, I would talk, I, I, I almost said briefly, but I don't know how much there is to say about the housekeeping that Dortmund did with, uh, VNV's pardon. Uh, I will proudly admit that I got the three nothing prediction, uh, completely correct. Um, what did you make of this game you may or may not have seen live? I admit I only saw the second half live because before that I was uh, at the beach. Yeah, I didn't see it live because ESPN sucks. Um, <laughs> so be, I, for some reason they put it on ESPN 3, which is just the weirdest channel to put it on. Um, I only have ESPN+. Plus. And so for once, couldn't watch it live, so I had to get it through BFOB TV. Shout out to the greatest football club in the world. And um, yeah, there's, you know, there's not much to be said 
for that match other than really, really, really comfortable. I can only remember one shot kind of needing to be saved by Kobel, and that was just a comfortable catch, really. It was I feel like there was a little set piece trouble at some point. Where... Yeah, but not really. I mean, nothing, nothing where, let's just put it this way. I wasn't really worried <laughs> during the course of the match. Dortmund were dominant. Uh, they probably should have scored one or two more goals. Uh, the Wiesbaden keeper actually played really well, which I know is weird to say since he was responsible for a penalty and conceded three goals. <laughs> but, um, I mean, he pulled off an excellent save against Marco Reus uh, from a free kick and then an excellent save against Malen. Um, And he was really unlucky with, I think it was Holland's third goal where he saved it and then the ball just happened to fall perfectly for Holland and then the keeper was out of position. So really, Dortmund could have won it 4 or 5 nil, uh, but I think 3 nil is fine. Nothing really of note. They set up in a 4-4-2 diamond, I believe, for most of it. Yeah. And it was kind of as expected. It was a nice way because they had, uh, you know, the the kid, pa- the, the, the new papa <laughs> in the back line. And it was probably a good way in a competitive match to put him in there without all the heat of the Bundesliga on him. And we kind of talked about that in the preview pod that uh, this is kind of the right place to get some of those players in there, to have Schultz playing on the left, to have Paslak playing on the right and, you know, kind of warm up that way before facing a what... I guess I overestimated Eintracht Frankfurt. I don't know, because, of course, they laid a massive egg in the DFB Pokal by losing to a fellow Drittliga uh, club, uh, Waldhof Mannheim. So Dortmund are better than Frankfurt by that logic, I think. I don't know, because uh, this this uh, cup match it was the sort of game where Frankfurt had 72% possession and whatnot, and I, I feel like it's going to be a completely different game um, in the Bundesliga. But uh, so I I really hesitate to uh, to uh, put too much uh, into a cup slip up in the first uh, round, especially with uh, teams nowadays sort of planning the the cup match sort of still as their preseason. So maybe legs were still a bit heavy. I I'm not entirely sure uh, how this goes, but uh, I'm not going to uh, take this with uh, too much confidence. Looking forward to Saturday, Saturday. Uh, to be honest, but um, what I really liked is uh, the, um, the the setup that Dortmund played. Um, obviously, with Tigges and Haaland leading the line, I like Marco Reus in behind the two striker system, which is I don't think. Is something we haven't really seen that much. And I, I think it, it can be really successful. Obviously, um, uh, Dahoud as sort of the uh, uh, the lowest point in the diamond and Bellingham and Reyna uh, on the sides, I think, was uh, pretty attacking-minded. And I really liked that. I thought that uh, the way Dortmund were set up, they had a lot of uh, good channels, also through the middle, where they had passing lanes, be it to Reyna, to Dahoud, Akanji and Papadopoulos, I thought uh, both had fairly decent uh, passing distributions and uh, considering this is sort of uh, all relatively new. Um, and I'll say relatively because it's not that different from what Dortmund played before, but nevertheless, even if it's uh, against a 
team from the third division. I think it was encouraging to see Dortmund this free flowing and uh, let's say easy going uh, in, in in the possession. Uh, I don't think they struggled too much to uh, progress the ball from the back line. I don't think there was a gaping hole between uh, the the back four, if you will, and uh, the the midfielders, which is also very positive. So the spaces uh, are not too distant. So all in all, um, I I thought mostly it was positive. Even Nico Schulz had a really good game as a left back uh, for Nico Schulz's st standards, I guess. Have to grade him on the curve. He's not a Rafael Guerrero, but um, yeah, it was a good game. Uh, Felix Paslak on the other side did not impress me that much, to be honest. But uh, you know, I thought uh, Girena had a very positive showing. Uh, very um, ball hungry, demanded the the ball a lot which I think is positive uh, and yeah, did well with it. And then obviously Erling Haaland um, scoring a hat-trick and with that making it 60 goals in 60 games for Borussia Dortmund, which is just an insane number. <laughs> uh, we should, I, I was going to say we're almost used to it, but I don't think you can ever get used to it. And uh, yeah, I, I really hope that he keeps his... goal scoring average of one <laughs> up for now. Um, I'm... I was hoping for Stefan Tigges to get on the score sheet as well. Um, I think he had a decent chance uh, where uh, there was a deflection in the box and he just put it wide off the net. Otherwise, uh, it would have been, I think, his uh, his first, uh, first team goal for Dortmund. So, yeah, still waiting for that one. But, um, yeah, the other thing I guess we can talk about is obviously um, when uh, Daniel Malen came on uh, playing next to Haaland, which was, I thought, nice because I honestly expected uh, Rose to replace Haaland with Marlon. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see. You could obviously see right away um, his uh, uh, back heel play and that, uh, you know, he, he speeds things up. <laughs> Last moment, I think, in a previous episode also uh, said that he sometimes likes to bottle high-quality chances. Uh, <laughs> he had one and did so. <laughs> So we'll note that, but uh, yeah, obviously it's just the first game and I think overall in terms of uh, just blind understanding that was uh, pretty good. Marco Rosa at today's news conference obviously pointed out that uh, he still has to adapt quite heavily and uh, mostly uh, I think he said he need to improve his he needs to improve his physique, you know, can get a little sturdier, I think is what Rosa said and uh, obviously do more on the defensive side of things. So, um, yeah, in, in those terms, I think we can all be very happy with the cup match. Um, moving on to the next round, unlike, of course, Eintracht Frankfurt. Matthias, if you don't mind, I would now uh, just hit play on the uh, pre-recorded, <laughs> live on tape, if you will, uh, interview with uh, Brian Sanders, and then we'll be back on the other side to preview the game ourselves and then sort of have more of a general outlook on what this Bundesliga season may or may not bring. And I'm now joined by Brian Sanders, from the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast to shed a little light on Saturday's Topspiel opponent. Obviously, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, had a lot of heartbreak going on in the uh, latter stages of last season as they were leapfrogged by none other than Borussia Dortmund. 
uh, as they missed our Champions League. And not only that, but Ugh. due to Borussia Dortmund switching their coaches, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt were part in that carousel and now have uh, Wolfsburg's ex Oliver Glasner on the sideline, who <laughs> have Mark van Bommel. So I think, uh, yeah, it's still it's still Wolfsburg who had had the worst part of this but uh, i don't i don't really care about this book <laughs> anyway brian welcome to the show uh, how are you doing after uh, quite a long uh oh yeah it's been a man this this time season has been one of the longest um in my memory as an eintracht fan i think most of it is down to the sheer fact that you know the way the season kind of ended I mean, I haven't been that this frustrated from an off season since we were last relegated, and uh, uh, those memories are pretty hard to bury. So I'll say this much: um, I'm ready to get the season kicked off because I want to forget about the Pokal. <laughs> right. So obviously, a lot of things have changed. Not only is Adi Hütter gone, and you have Oliver Glasner now, but also Freddy Bobic is gone, uh, who yeah. now is at Hertha Berlin. Sure, why yeah. not? And uh, you have now RB Leipzig's Markus, I think is his first name, Krosche. Uh, yep, Krosche. So, so crushing first... it with Krosche. That's what we're. That's what we're uh, gonna be up to. But to be fair, he came from a. He came from a club where he had to count every single uh, nickel, dime, and penny for those who use American currency. When he was at Paderborn, the guy got used to being able to have to make every single euro work. And uh, now he's at another club where we're, we have more euros to work with, but less than uh, certain uh, financially uh, cheating fizzy drink companies. Right. <laughs> not, not biased about that at all. Not no, biased no, about that I, at all. I, 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 I can't tell at all. So um, obviously the uh, first cap round didn't go too well. Uh, you lost 2-0 against Waldhof Mannheim, uh, which is... I, I, I would yeah. have described it as like Dortmund losing to Bochum, but uh, now that Bochum are in the Bundesliga, that comparison doesn't really hold uh, too or, much uh, anymore. Or a certain team from Gelsenkirchen losing to uh, uh, Nuremberg, I well, think. Yeah. There's a, there's a very strong fan-friendly uh, vibe that basically gets thrown out the window when we play. But there's a lot of Mannheim fans who are who cheer for Eintracht because they are not in the Bundesliga. Though when I've come across one or two of them, I have told them it's like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that you were in the Bundesliga yourself, so you get back up here and uh, you know, play with the big boys instead of uh, screwing around in the Dritte Liga. Yeah, I would say Frankfurt and Mannheim are probably united in their hate against uh, Offenbach and Kaiserslautern, if you will. So um, there oh, is that. Yeah. The, who, uh, red is ugly. Red is ugly. <laughs> uh, red and white teams, obviously not uh, red, uh, white and black teams. Of course. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, you gotta got to uh, be very careful there. But uh, so how is the mood going into this season at Frankfurt? Is basically the, the the simple question I wanted to ask. It is very optimistic for the future, and here's why. Uh, look at what the coach has been able to do in his last two stops. If you give him time, now I honestly believe it. Glasner was not didn't have such a shaky relationship with his sporting director. I honestly kind of wonder where Wolfsburg will be able to take their team uh, going forward because they've got a pretty 
solid lineup of players that they had brought in. He was given time at last, uh, uh, last Linz and made them able to outperform both of the Vienna clubs, which, you know, those guys got a lot more money in the Austrian Bundesliga than uh, anyone else that is not called uh, Salzburg. And he went toe-to-toe with Salzburg. So he, when given time, he can make great things happen. But I watched his teams at Wolfsburg. They were pretty ugly to watch. They're not pretty on the eye. Um, if there is one thing that uh, Eintracht has been known for under Nico Kovac and Adi Hutter, it was a team that put 150% out on the pitch. And you just kind of wonder how this team is going to be molded with Glasner so far. It's, we've had mixed results in our uh, preseason uh, uh, test matches. And, of course, Mannheim, that didn't go so well. With six matches in the Europa League uh, group phase that will be included, this is going to be an interesting season. Are not I will say that most fans are not expecting to be chasing down uh, a certain mu- uh, Munich-based team for the title. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. We'll leave that to you guys. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> now, obviously, uh, Oliver Glasner. I think he ne- needed about two his uh, his whole first season to really settle into Wolfsburg, and it only became successful in his second season at Wolfsburg. But then, Agreed. I think his core strength was actually a lack of rotation. He had his sort of starting eleven and didn't make really many changes. So I would always wonder how uh, he would uh, handle, you know, a European competition. Now, obviously, you just mentioned it. Eintracht Frankfurt are in the Europa League, which obviously. Is still a big success for the club, even though if you were aiming for the Champions League uh, and then miss out for like what was it about two or three match days, that fucking sucks. So. Uh, yeah, that I mean that run uh, right before everything just dropped, the bottom just dropped. Thank you, uh, Gladbach, for that. Well, a little thanks to you guys who I was just going to say the first that, domino, there, there are a lot of dominoes that Eva, fall. Yeah, the first domino was pushed. By yellow and black fingers, and then uh, uh, the f- the foals just happened to be the ones who then said, "Okay, Addy Hunter, we like some of this. Uh, here we go." And well, <laughs> we end up in fifth, which was pretty demoralizing. But you know what? I'll look back on last season and think to myself, "We had a long stretch where we weren't getting results, and then suddenly, you know, in the spring, results started to happen." And I can look fondly back on the thoroughly thrashing Bayern Munich, beating you guys as well, and Wolfsburg in back-to-back matches. I can look back on last season fondly enough that I can at least say to myself, you know what? Let's just let's uh, let's have a go at the Europa League because we would have been crushed in the Champions League. I have no doubts that we probably would have finished bottom of our group, and I'd rather. Uh, have our fans go and travel and uh, see some wins as opposed to some losses. Yeah, fair enough. So obviously you did lose uh, your talisman striker, Andre Silva, who scored a ridiculous amount of 28 goals in 32 matches last season uh, to the fizzy drink company. So uh, right now I think you pretty much only have Paciencia up there who uh, returned from his Schalke loan, which did not go very successfully because I think he was injured for most part. Um, oh yeah, he was out a long time. So uh, my question is, 
looking forward to Saturday, in what kind of shape is the team in? Who uh, you think uh, will play? And are there any significant uh, injuries that uh, you should note or that Dortmund fans should know about that could hinder Frankfurt's performance and maybe give right. Dortmund a little advantage? So, uh, a couple of our newest signings you can possibly see on the pitch. So, uh, Rafael Santos Boy, uh, we got him on a free transfer from Argentina. He had a spell in Spain, did not turn, uh, do so well, but, uh, he then went to the biggest of big clubs in South America and did extremely well for himself at every plate. Um, he led the line against, uh, he led the line against Mannheim, but he was marked out of the match pretty well. The guy has a, a tendency to kick if he does not get the ball. So, I mean, uh, it's it's almost a good thing that Homos will be, you know, fit after the Frankfurt match because he probably would just take out his vengeance on uh, his weak ankles. Uh, <laughs> so watch out for that. Uh, we it's have the knee, though, new... that's, that's yeah. bothering Homos, but continue. It's, a, it's the knee? Okay. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I'm not up to date on every single injury from Bay. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> just just so, listen uh, back yes, to the episode, then you'll know. Yeah. Yes, uh, Jesper Lins, uh, Lindstrom, who we have uh, from Brombu, uh, from Denmark. He's a pretty uh, nifty player, uh, quite tricky. And Jensper Tahau just was signed uh, earlier this week uh, on loan from Milan. Uh, another Scandinavian guy, this guy, uh, is Norwegian. He, I think, will, th he'll be a game time decision to see if he, uh, factors into the match. But for, for me, there is no other player that Befo Bay should be, you know, scared of than, uh, Philip Kostic. Kostic sat out of the Pokal because of a previous red card received in the last match that, in that competition. So, He's going to be back. I'm really excited for the fact that no Italian club has got the money to be able to pay for him. And the only Italian clubs that seem to be linked these days are uh, one of the Milan, uh, one of the Milan clubs, Inter Milan, uh, who still need another sale uh, to be able to fund a couple other moves uh, because they are wage cutting like crazy. Kind of like how Schalke had, has, and Bremen have had to do as they got relegated. Uh, their owners are making them cut wages really bad. And both Rome clubs just can't seem to uh, fork over the amount of money. Those are the only clubs that have been linked to Philip Costas, so it looks like uh, he will be uh, sticking with uh, the Eintracht. And, I mean, I will say this much. As much as missing under Silva will hurt, without Costas, Silva was... Uh, non a non-factor. So I kind of wonder how he will do uh, in the old East. Uh, but for me, there's no player that is going to scare Bayfall fans, Bayfall Bay fans more than Phil Kostic. Yeah, especially uh, since he will be barreling Dortmund's right side and uh, there are not really any fullbacks other than I think Felix Paslak. So um, yeah, Dortmund will have a lot of fun with that. Obviously, Philip Kosic is always a threat. And obviously, considering that Hummels is out and Dortmund have only one healthy centre-back, one does wonder uh, how Dortmund's defensive overall will hold up, to be honest. But uh, more on that later, I guess. Uh, well, there's what? How many thousand fans are going to be called into, are going to be allowed into the 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 Westphalen stadium? I think I mean, 25. There's got to be someone, there's got to be someone who's got 
a good two legs that can just run that might be able to do a job <laughs> <laughs> if necessary if necessary yeah it's just a, it's just the paperwork that might get in the way of getting him registered True. to the Bundesliga and whatnot but uh yeah uh it's obviously going to be a very interesting season for a lot of teams because uh, of the coaching carousel and, you know, th there's just so much new stuff. And obviously one of the factors you just mentioned that's also sort of new is that there are now fans in the stands again, even though it's not at full capacity yet. Um, but nevertheless, it's something. Obviously, the active fan support, I assume, will still be lacking. I think that uh, certainly was the case uh, for Frankfurt's game in uh, Mannheim. I think, lastly, all I have left for you is to, to give a scoreline prediction and uh, maybe what, uh, what you think awaits uh, Frankfurt in Dortmund. Well, I would definitely say, um, especially knowing that uh, so many of your defenders are out. And if anyone's curious of who is out for Eintracht, who probably would have been uh, in the starting 11, it's only uh, Aiden Schustix, uh who's out for the Eintracht. I'm really thinking that this Eintracht team is capable of doing a complete 180 and against a vastly superior opponent compared to uh, Baldhoff Mannheim. I think that the Eintracht have got a draw in them. I think that uh, they'll be able to nick a goal early, but um, your own Scandinavian Wunderkid, I think, will almost have a uh, <laughs> will be incensed at being at the thought of possibly losing the first match of the season. And I anticipate uh, your own guy uh, knocking one in at the very least. Um, if I had to pick a goal scorer for the Eintracht. I would have to say that it's going to be uh, Kostic from a free kick. Why not? I'll take it. All right. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on. Please tell our listeners where to subscribe to the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast yourself. You can be followed on Twitter at KCSGE. That is correct. Yeah, you can follow us also on Twitter. That is at HEFpod. Uh, it's mostly Americans who are, uh, and a couple of Germans who are on our Eintracht, uh, Frankfurt podcast. So if you want to have an occasional funny, uh, banter about what's going on in the Bundesliga, what's going on with one of the European participants, uh, you know, from the Bundesliga and also excellent uh alcoholic beverages should you be so inclined we have great alcohol beverage recommendations that we put out on every episode of the podcast just to keep things light and breezy well make sure to tune in i've uh, been a guest occasionally as well it's always good fun and yes you have you 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 are uh, always in demand to to bring a beer or something um anyway uh that's it for now from brian and we shall be back with more uh borussia dortmund's eintracht frankfurt preview now and we're back it's still matthias zug and stefan butzko here at the helm now matthias it is time to preview the first game of the Bundesliga season for Borussia Dortmund. It's a home match. We will have bought, I guess, 25,000 fans in the stands. It's still going to be uh, far off what a full capacity game is like, but nevertheless, that's an improvement to uh, 
what's happened before, obviously, um, what has been pointed out in the uh, safety concept, if you will, were the three Gs, which uh, means either you are geimpft, genesen, or getested, which means either vaccinated, uh, recovered, or tested. So, Matthias, um, putting that aside, maybe, uh, how excited are you for this game and for the season overall to start now that we had quite the off-season? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, the one thing I didn't mention about the cup match, it was great to have fans there again. Um, I think that's good and encouraging to see, especially because, you know, we don't know what the fall is going to bring and, you know, things are just so in flux all the time. Um, but I'm I'm excited to hopefully have a little bit more of a normal season in the sense of there'll at least be some fans in the stadium, um, which, okay, that's basically all that would be different from last <laughs> season. Um, you know, it, I'm excited because it's, it's finally, finally matters again. I mean, the euros, they were interesting, but you know, I'm, I've, you know, I'm not that big on national team football anymore. Like I used to be, And so it's nice to have something of greater meaning starting again. Frankfurt is a club that I really like. I have a lot of sympathies for them. I uh, used to live in the Frankfurt area. Yeah, where didn't And you so, live? <laughs> where didn't I live? Yeah, good question. Uh, well, in Germany, it was only like the Münsterland, uh, Westfalen, and then uh, Hessen. No, yeah, But just three places. <laughs> just, just three places. But it... Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting because you tend to not really know what the first match day can bring. I mean, yes, Dortmund looked really good against a third-tier side. Antra Frankfurt lost against a third-tier side. That's a little bit of a narrative that goes in. Both clubs have new coaches now coming into the season uh, that have a lot to prove. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the as far as additions or losses to the squads. You know, there are some, but it wasn't like some seasons with Dortmund where you feel like you there was like half a team turnover. That's not the case uh, this season. So, I, yeah, it's really exciting. I, I always like the first league match day uh, just because of all the unknowns and the excitement that's behind there. We'll talk again after 10 weeks <laughs> how I feel then. Um, because you also get to gauge, especially when there's a new coach. You just kind of see what's going to happen. What's how is he going to perform in a match of higher higher importance than a cup match against a third tier side, and where there's significantly more eyeballs on him and more pressure on it. Uh, the audience will be bigger, also on television. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited to get the season going. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped to be honest. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, I I think uh, Dortmund will actually improve. Uh, you know, Dortmund ended the season on a tested quite well, also with a cup win, and uh, the fact that uh, Dortmund have Erling Haaland still. Uh, obviously, they lost Jaden Sancho, but um, that plus having Marco Royce who made the conscious decision not to go to the Euros to be sort of fully fit now and that's exactly what he is looking um, makes me uh, very hopeful for this season obviously I'd be more hopeful if we wouldn't enter this season with four goalkeepers and one center back <laughs> but uh, 
Uh, yeah, uh, I think Rose said today that Mats Hummels uh, is back in individual training and he is um, doing uh, a lot of workout, but uh, he's still away from team training. I think there was this news that he will also miss the Super Cup because don't forget, Dortmund also played the Super Cup on Tuesday against Bayern Munich. Um, so, yeah, Hummels will be out. I don't know for how long, to be honest. Might actually be a bit longer. Um that's the that's the only thing that's uh, a little annoying, I guess. That uh, due to him playing at the Euros now, he has knee problems. Because otherwise, I don't think that would have been a thing. Um, yeah, Dortmund obviously uh, have a boatload of injuries and players that return very late from the Euros. So um, it was a very tricky preseason, and I think uh, we will, despite all the optimism, uh, we will feel that uh, that not everything. Every single thing will uh, work perfectly. I mean, I can I can rattle through the list of of injured or unavailable players, starting uh, with uh, Julian Brandt and uh, Thomas Meunier, who are both still out uh, due to uh, testing positive uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, Nandi Collins uh, is out with a knee injury. Koulibaly is uh, still obviously a very young centre back, but he's uh, still recovering from a knee injury. Guerrero has calf problems. Uh, Hummels already mentioned, then uh, Morey obviously still recovering from his very uh, severe knee injury, Marcel Schmelzer is still back in recovery training, I'm not sure whether and how much he will feature, but he's still out as well, so is Marius Wolf, who has this, uh, I think it was a partly torn ligament in his ankle, and Zagadou is also still recovering uh, after his knee surgery a few months ago, um, so yeah, it's it's a long list. Uh, of course, Dortmund can still field a very strong team without all these players, to be honest. But uh, nevertheless, I think having Brandt and Meunier at least in in this situation would help a little bit more. Um, just because you know, I think Dortmund failed absolutely to replace Lukas Piszczek, and uh, starting with Paslak next to Papadopoulos, I don't think is really ideal. And uh, so, yeah, Dortmund's backline is probably not going to be the strong point against Frankfurt. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm too bold in making that statement. And uh, yeah, Dortmund's bench also. Yeah, I, d I don't know. Uh, not, not the strongest. Obviously, uh, we can probably bring on Delaney. We can bring on Chan. Chanier uh, is probably around as well after win winning his uh, gold medal. Witzel, Hazard. Knauf probably also on the bench, I guess, and uh, Mokoko. Uh, and if, if I don't know if Tigges will, will be in the squad or not, but uh, yeah, these are sort of the, the, the players that I uh, expect to be on the bench. Um, I must say, though, I'm I'm excited because I do expect uh, Daniel Malen to have his first start. I think Marco Rose uh, hinted at that today. So um, having Marlon and Haaland uh, for maybe 60 minutes or however long uh, should be exciting. Um, what are you expecting from Dortmund in, in this particular match? What are you hoping for and what uh, are you expecting them to actually deliver? Well, I expect it to be an exciting match, an interesting match. Obviously, these are two coaches that know each other, uh, be it from... The Bundesliga in the last few seasons with uh, Gladbach and Wolfsburg, but of course also in Austria, uh, facing off against each other. Um, 
and there's a lot to prove on both sides. Uh, for for Marco Rosa, what he needs to prove is that it was the right decision to go with him <laughs> versus Tezic, who <laughs> I hope he gets loves. a little more time than just the game against Frankfurt to prove yes. that. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's it's extra motivation for him. Uh, Oliver Glasner, of course, will have some motivation because honestly, his debut sucked. I mean, that's as about as bad a debut as you can have. Um, I mean, it's not as embarrassing maybe as Mark van Bommel's debut, <laughs> but uh, it's it's really close <laughs> to being as embarrassing. So there's going to be extra motivation there. I do expect, um, you know, Dortmund to have most of the possession, most of the shots, because they're going to be playing against Glasna uh, and an Eintracht Frankfurt side that isn't as good as Glasna's Wolfsburg side, which already enjoyed a more, how do I say this? I don't want to say passive approach to the sport, but let's call it a more defensively solid approach to the sport. I don't expect that to really change with Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, I mean, Adi Hütter already liked counterattacking and pressing. Glasner's probably going to tone that down a little bit, would be my assumption. And they, being Dortmund fans in the stadium, the players, the press, the, the bosses, they want to see attacking, pressing, free-flowing football that they're hoping to get from Marco Rosa, especially given how exciting it was in the last couple of months under Edin Terzic, leading to finishing third Champions League, and then, of course, winning the DFB Pokal. So there's going to be a lot of motivation. There's going to be a lot of motivation also for Erling Haaland to have uh, finally have a breakout season. I mean, he's been kind of under the radar. I mean, right. 60 goals in 60 matches, that's kind of, eh, okay, who hasn't done that? But, um, you know, the the assumption is this is his last season at Borussia Dortmund. So he wants to really, really do well before he can play with, I don't know, Messi in P at PSG or somebody in England. I have no idea. One of those clubs that I don't like. <laughs> so uh, that just has more money than they should. But they, the motivation is there, especially in front of fans again which is an experience that a few of these Dortmund players, thinking of Bellingham and, of course, Erling Haaland, didn't really get to experience that much of during their Dortmund career so far, or really at all. So I expect a really fun and entertaining match from Dortmund, and I do expect Dortmund to win. I expect some Haaland goals, uh, but it's not going to be an easy match because I am just very nervous about that back five. I am not nervous at all about Akanji, but I, I'm worried he's going to try too much because he's going to be put in a position where he may have to. He's got a very young and experienced center back partner next to him. He has the uh, maybe second, third choice fullbacks on either side. And then a new keeper behind him that he's still learning. Granted, I know they're both Swiss, but Kobe is not starting for Switzerland. It's not like it's Jan Zoma back there. <laughs> um, so in that case, I'm very nervous about that back line. I know Frankfurt aren't as strong attacking-wise as they maybe were over the last few seasons, theoretically. But I, I'm still concerned, especially because Frankfurt have always just been difficult for Dortmund in the last few seasons, last few years, regardless of who the coach has been. Um, even going back to Faye, it's just always been one of those difficult teams. 
So it's kind of one of those Dolman's going to win, but it's going to be exciting and occasionally a little nerve wracking is my opinion. Yeah, I guess apart from Lindström and Boré in in uh, uh, attack from Frankfurt, there's not really that much change. You know, if you uh, look at the kickers' projected starting eleven, it's Trapp and Goal, Tuta, Hinteregger, and and Dika in the back three, and so on. Rode, um in in uh, midfield, which is what they've been playing pretty much before. Obviously, Armin Yunus should be a starter. Right now, but obviously it's not. And then you have uh, Da Costa and Kostic uh, on the uh, uh, fullback positions. Obviously, uh, this is probably where most of the danger is coming from and what uh, Brian also alluded to. And then, of course, uh, Kamada, uh, who is a playmaker, I would say Lindström and Boré, then up top. I don't know in what positions exactly because I don't necessarily know these players. But, uh, you know, it's it's... Probably, as you said, something uh, that that will be uncomfortable to play against, and something that's uh, firstly uh, defensively minded. It will try to hit Dortmund on a counter attack, and uh, as I already alluded to, having the matchup between Kostic and Paslak and Papadopoulos, if you will, on that uh, uh, right side from Dortmund's perspective, is not really uh, you know confidence inducing, if you will. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be tricky, and uh, I don't think that Frankfurt are uh, completely without a chance to <laughs> to snatch a win or a point in this game. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I think my, my nervousness levels will be at the highest in the first five to ten seconds because I feel like Dortmund uh, every now and then manage to concede right from the first play as the season starts. So I hope they manage to avoid that and... Uh, yeah, otherwise, as as you said, uh, I, I hope that Dortmund will be uh, as free-flowing as they can be, uh, also possession-heavy, because uh, that reduces uh, Frankfurt's counter-attacking chances, uh, although I think Dortmund uh, last season managed to uh, play some nice counter-attacks themselves against the Klasner coached side, so we'll see about that if Dahu can uh, have this forward pass to uh, Haaland again. But uh, yeah, I'm... I'm really excited about this game. Uh, I I wonder though how how the first match day in general will go. I mean, uh, it once again starts with Bayern Munich, of course. Uh, this time they will play away to Borussia Mönchengladbach. So I'm hoping that Gladbach will do a little bit better than uh, the good old Schalke 04 last time, who I think were clobbered eight uh, nothing. Really hope that Gladbach can actually win this like five zero. Um, but apart from that, obviously, we have two new teams in the Bundesliga with VfL Bochum and, and uh, Sportvereinigung Greuther Fürth. So that should be exciting. Obviously, it'd be more exciting if it were still Schalke and Bremen. But, uh, you know, I don't make these decisions. So, um, yeah, in, in general, I think Dortmund should be in a title race, uh, especially because I want it to be with uh, this being Haaland's last year <laughs> i know it's not uh, up to me really whether this works out or not but uh you know i was already hoping for Dortmund making a title push with uh sancho and harland on, on the roster to be honest but that did not work so um maybe after uh finding more stability in the back of the five years now under a new coach that can happen but obviously Bayern for that need to struggle i don't know how realistic that is uh, without Dortmund struggling in a similar fashion, to be honest. And then, of course, uh, you know, Leipzig are still around. And uh, maybe Leverkusen make a pushback. Maybe uh, Gladbach will improve. The only team that I'm really not worried about 
to be uh, in the top four, top five this season are uh, Wolfsburg, to be honest, uh, because I feel like uh, with uh, them playing in the Champions League as well, they will crumble, to be honest. So, um, yeah, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, there are so many new coaches. Matthias, uh, if you look at this Bundesliga season in general, uh, what's, what's your outlook on this season Do you have any teams where you feel like they could uh, be surprised um, in the upper regions of the table or do you think it will be same old, same old? Well, I mean, if I if I look at, you know, everyone that's in there, there are a lot of interesting storylines. I think, you know, we're going to have... I, I just feel like it's going to be a two-club race for the title. I don't think Leipzig... I mean, Leipzig will kind of be there, but I just... Jesse Marsh is not Julian Nagelsmann. Um, and I, I feel like that's a club in... I don't want to say they're in a state of flux necessarily at this point, of course. Uh, but they're a little bit more of an unknown again. Uh, I agree with you. I don't expect anything from Wolfsburg, also because... I'm not a big Wolfsburg fan, and I hate Mark van Bommel. He's <laughs> one of the most hated Bundesliga players I have ever had the misfortune of having to watch on television. Well, and Matthias, so, if, if hate would make teams play badly, Schalke would get relegated. Hmm. Oh, oh well. yeah. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> so, so you're saying there's hope. So Leipzig, Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, bottom three. Anyway, um, no, I mean, I'm very curious to see how Stuttgart do this season. Um, will they take that next step in development? They've got a good coach. They've got a uh, good squad, good young squad um, there. I think, you know, I mean, Fürth and Bochum, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't see them being anything but down in the relegation zone. Uh, I think Bielefeld's going to be right down there again. I'm curious what Union do. I think Augsburg are going to struggle. Um, I do believe Freiburg are going to struggle this season. Oh, really? I, I, think, I think Freiburg will actually play a solid season, to be honest. I, I mean, they're always kind of one of those where I'm like, technic theoretically, they're supposed to have a bad season, but it's Christian Streich, and somehow he always manages yeah, to have a decent season. Yeah, because they didn't really make any changes, to be honest. I no, feel like it's... Uh, yeah. I don't know. But I feel like other teams that are kind of around them have gotten better. Yeah, but so, who, apart from maybe Hertha, but didn't have really done that. Like yeah. Augsburg? I, I guess know. when I say struggle, like, I don't think they're going to push for European places. Okay, fair How enough. About that? Yeah. How I don't, about that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, they're going to be maybe a mid-table ninth side. Ninth is probably the highest Freiburg can yeah. go. Mid-table side, you know, somewhere between 9 and 11. Um, and to say that I think that's struggling for Freiburg says a lot about Freiburg, uh, and I do like Christian Streich. And I think the reason why they're going to be somewhere in there is because there are just other teams that are much worse. I'm really curious about Mainz because, again, I think the job Paul Svensson's done there and the general job that's been done there to solidify that that club and that ship that was sinking fast and hard um, was really remarkable. I think they'll be kind of in that Freiburg zone, whereas Köln, I think they... Köln's saving grace could be the fact that Bochum and Fürth are in the league because I just don't expect anything from Köln. Yeah, and Bielefeld maybe. At all. Sort of uh, Bielefeld, yeah, that, that's kind of my, my bottom area. I think Augsburg will be down there as well. Um, other than that, 
yeah, I mean, title will be between Dortmund and Bayern. I mean, when you asked Julian Nagelsmann, he was very confident in saying Bayern will win uh, the Bundesliga. I mean, that's a club and a coach. They just fit together. Um, whereas Marco Rosa said, basically, the team that at the end is at the top of the table will win the Bundesliga, which I hate an answer like that. <laughs> but, you know, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, Stefan Baumgart, I think, will be an interesting thing to watch at Köln. I just don't know if Köln has the wherewithal player-wise. Losing Sebastian Bornau, I think, is a huge loss for them. Yeah, they but also lost Marius Wolf. I feel, yes. I feel like Köln only, yeah. only got worse, to be honest. Correct, correct. Their saving grace, again, could be that there are actually worse teams, quality-wise, uh, in the league. Not that that matters, because if, if you would put paper on paper last season, Schalke are much better than Bielefeld. But Schalke had bad coaches, no cohesion, and probably the worst injury luck that I've seen in a long time in the league. So that kind of stuff can balance things out. But at the end of the day, I, I'm going to pick Dortmund to win the Bundesliga because I can't pick Bayern, and <laughs> I just want Dortmund to do it. And I feel like it could be a season to do it because there's so much flux in the league. I think the other teams that will finish in the top four... I do believe Leipzig will finish in the top four just because the quality is there. And then the other fourth team, I think it's going to be a tight match between matchup between the usual contenders of Gladbach, Leverkusen, you know, kind of there around. But I I I'm gonna say surprise team for me is gonna be Stuttgart. I think Stuttgart will finish fifth or fourth. Yeah, that that sounds fun. I mean, they do have a good uh, scout <laughs> and sporting director. So, um, yeah, why, why not? I mean, it's it's going to be also interesting how Leverkusen do under Gerardo Seuane or whatever his name is. And not, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I almost said hampered by Peter Bosch and uh, I think in the end it was Hannes Wolf. Um, obviously, uh, still a very good side. Uh, I think they just lost Leon Bailey, of course, but... Um, you know, there's always potential there. They can always play a good season if uh, a couple of things fall into place for them. It's not like uh, Bayer Leverkusen are a team that, uh, you know, are like uh, like a regular midfield team. I think they're always above average in terms of uh, their squad potential. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more hoping for Gladbach to, to bounce back, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I also, honestly, I, I really hope that Frankfurt play a good season. Uh, that they at least have a top seven finish again uh, and and establish themselves sort of as uh, a team that plays uh, on, on the European stage regularly. Um, overall, in terms of how competitive the Bundesliga is, I'm 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 fairly happy with it for now. Saying it before the league actually started, but obviously, um, I might change my opinion very quickly. I also think that there will be a bigger cut between the midfield teams and the uh, relegation threatened teams. I really think that uh, Bochum, Fürth, uh, and and Bielefeld, and maybe even Cologne will will struggle much worse than everybody else. So um, I I think we'll we'll have uh, more of a midfield battle uh, for places that don't matter, um, and then just a relegation scrap, which just will be bitter. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of the, the the season I expect and I really do hope that Dortmund won't be the team that stumbles again against so many time against so many teams from the uh, lower half of the table you know if Dortmund can avoid that uh, I think they will be actually really 
really doing well. And of course, um, since there are no derby wins to be gained, at least in the Bundesliga, uh, ex ex except, of course, against Bochum, where I 100% expect six points, um, I really want, don't want to beat Bayern at least once this season. You know, I, I feel like we've gone through many losses um, against Bayern and I think it's it's time to change that also since uh, Dortmund have a habit of beating Nagelsmann coached sides why not do that again <sighs> so yeah I don't know uh, I don't like like I said I don't want to look forward too much since uh, the uh, transfer market is still open and uh, things can happen uh, overall quite a bit even though um, if you follow me on Twitter you will know um, that uh, Dortmund just published their uh, numbers for the financial year 2020-2021 and uh, the total gross revenue went down from 486.9 million from the previous season to 358.6 due to the pandemic. Um, I think Watzke said that Dortmund lose about 4 million per match day without any fans in it and uh, that more transfers really are not feasible because they don't have the funds for that in a normal year he said Dortmund will absolutely be more active on the transfer market but they just don't see it right now and uh, his message to all supporters to uh sort of uh yeah alleviate the situation <laughs> was get vaccinated so um there's that and I also think Michael Sorg uh, gave an interview to Rönnachrichten where he quite bluntly said that uh, he doesn't really have any offers on his desk because other clubs are in a similar situation uh, except for the super rich clubs uh, money just is not as loose and other teams have to really uh, be careful about their budgets so this is why players like Roman Bürki or Nico Schulz are still sticking around to be honest so um, obviously there have been quite spectacular transfers this uh, transfer season a lot of record-breaking uh, some's going around but uh, I, I think when you really look uh, you know a few layers beneath the very top the creme de la creme of transfers uh, you will see that a lot of teams are actually quite struggling to especially get rid of players that are not uh, you know planned in the squad anymore you know but don't have the highest market in a, in a normal year um, Matthias, what are you making of this situation? Do you think that uh, Dortmund, despite all, will still maybe make some moves on uh, deadline day when uh, desperation might increase uh, for other clubs somewhere around the world? Well, I mean, uh, to, to reiterate your point, I mean, Akivatska did say that it's not as bad as they first feared it could be loss-wise. But if we just take the lost revenue, I mean, he's saying about 4 million euros per Bundesliga home match. If you would say equal that roughly in DFB Pokal, you increase it a little bit for Champions League, given how deep Dortmund's Champions League run actually was. That's a, a loss of revenue, revenue that they didn't get of right around 100 million euros. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's 100 million euros. That is another... Dembele-type sale. That's another Sancho Holland-type level sale of revenue that they didn't take in. So not having that, but still paying everybody's salaries, uh, be it players, staff, ticket people, people, you know, you name it. I mean, they still had to had, have ushers in the stadium for the home matches just because of security and some people that were there 
So they still had costs. I mean, it was a little bit lower, but they didn't furlough people like Liverpool or a lot of the uber-rich Premier League clubs did. Um, they didn't lay off a bunch of people like Disney did. So they kept most of their costs at the same level while losing about 100 million euros in revenue. At the same time, though, their losses overall, I think, were around somewhere between 50 and 70 million. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, something like that. Right, right in there. I don't see them buying unless they're able to sell. And I don't think it's because of transfer fees. I think it's simply down to wages. Because the one thing people always forget about, they look at Lionel Messi going to PSG. You know, uh, transfer fees are one thing. Wages are the real big one. And that, if you're paying out a yeah, five that's or ten year Barcelona deal. Would attest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're looking at giving a quality player a five-year contract and they're making 10 million you calculate that as 50 million that that's going to cost over the length of the contract the 20 million or 10 million that you'll pay in a transfer fee is laughable compared to those ongoing costs because it's not just that it's insurance um, doctor fees maintenance staffing that goes into it so you actually take that you know, however much it is, and you add to it exponentially above that. Um, so, you know, a Mako Royce costs even more than what they paid for him at transfer fee and his annual salary, which is, I don't know if it's the highest at the club, but it's right around there. Uh, so I don't expect them to buy anybody. Uh, there's obviously nobody of quality on a free available. Otherwise, they would have done that. You know, it's like that domino effect. Everybody said, well, when Bono leaves, then Lacroix will go to, I forget who won him. And then if he goes, then there's money there. And then somehow that's the domino effect that gets Nico Schultz out of Dortmund. And then Dortmund can get Halstenberg. You know, kind of, I think it was Lacroix going to Leipzig. Uh, and then Halstenberg can leave, but then only if Schultz gets sold. And it's not because of the transfer fee. It's because of the wage bill. It's because of that. And that is always the thing people tend to forget because it's the less obvious fee. It's not the one that really gets reported. So I don't expect any moves from Dortmund unless they're able to move Roman Bürki, Nico Schulz, um, Marius Wolf, a few of those players, uh, Thomas Delaney or an Axel Witzel. If those players go, especially someone like Witzel, who's 32 and on a high-wage contract, I assume, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure, given where he came from, and they tend to pay a lot. <laughs> well, I know um, his wages aren't as high as they were in China, but I'm sure they're not low. but they're still high. You know, I mean, we're not talking, you know, like, uh, you know, somebody coming from an Austrian league that's not named Holland, um, <laughs> getting getting their wages. So, yeah, that's that's a very long-winded answer to your very short and concise question. No, I don't expect them to sign anybody unless they can sell a few. Yeah, no, I, I like long answers sometimes. Uh, so um, that, that sort of also concludes everything we more or less have to talk about. Uh, now, obviously, uh, one thing I want to at least mention, uh, because I didn't have uh, the time really to, to watch the full match, but obviously, uh, Bristol Dortmund's uh, women's team had their first win 
very historic one, I guess, because, uh, you know, it was the first game ever, even though it was just a friendly against 1860 Munich. Uh, but nevertheless, I think uh, about uh, 1,300 fans were there to witness it. 3-1 win, and the goal scorers were Ann-Kathrin Lau, Lea Rogge Herper, and Annika Herbeck. Um, and yeah, I find that's very cool. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, if you haven't seen it, but I'm sure you have, uh, uh, broadcasting every uh, game of the women's team on their Twitch channel. So um, yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing that rise from uh, the lower the lowest division basically to the Frauen Bundesliga eventually. It, it'll be interesting to watch that overall rise. Um, because it's really something, until somebody mentioned Dortmund is going to have a women's team, I'll be perfectly honest, that was that moment where I went, wait, they haven't had one already? Like, how's that a thing? I mean, I, I grew up in a small town called Teste, and they have a really good women's team. And how is that not a thing at a club like Borussia Dortmund? So I'm glad they have corrected that, because that should have been a thing a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, decades too late, really. Uh, I... Uh... I also never understood the sentiment of, oh, well, the men are playing football and the women are playing uh, handball. Um, That's just nonsensical. And obviously, Dortmund will not, uh, you know, go bankrupt uh, running a women's team. I I, I think the opposite will be, uh, in in the really long term, will be the case where I think if Dortmund manage to uh, do their job well and have a a somewhat successful... uh, Dortmund women's team, I, I think they will sell out the uh, Westfalen just as well, because I think uh, women's football is constantly on the rise and uh, becoming more and more popular, and uh, I like watching it, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's very necessary, and I think, uh, as I said before, it's it's way too late, so um, yeah, these are the very first baby steps, and uh, I'm just excited to, to follow it around and uh, I'm sure we'll have um, seeing that they recently did a little thing for the Borussia Dortmund's club-owned podcast in German, obviously. But I feel like uh, uh, you know there will be some English speakers to be found to talk a bit more about uh, the Dortmund women's team here on our show. So um, yeah, I guess stay tuned for that, Matthias. Uh, I will this time not forget to ask you for a scoreline prediction for uh, Dortmund's match against. Eintracht Frankfurt, so uh, now is your chance to get it right. I am going to say Dortmund win this one three to one. Oh man, that was also my prediction. <laughs> All right, uh, since uh, we only have one center break, I'm saying it's going to be a bit more uh, exciting. It's going to be a three no- uh, three nothing now, a three two win for Dortmund. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where this will put Dortmund in the table because I feel like other teams might uh, have a higher win. But uh, I still hope Dortmund really get those three points and then, uh, you know, meet Bayern in the Super Cup for the first time. I don't know if we should even preview this game or have an extra dedicated episode for it. Um, but just in case we're not, <laughs> Matthias, what's your scoreline prediction for that? Dortmund win 2-0. All right, uh, Dortmund win 6 nothing. <laughs> and uh, with that because it really doesn't matter at n- the end of the day no no I, I really don't care about the Super Cup I mean if, if you win it it's fun but it does not really indicate anything um, other than that I hope everyone stays healthy and uh, you know no more COVID outbreaks 
and such. So yeah, anyway, uh, if you want to follow Matthias on Twitter, if he's ever active, you can do that at Matthias Zuk. You can follow me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do that on iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Obviously, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to support this podcast financially, again, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. In the meantime, this will be everything for this week. We shall be back either before the Super Cup for a little fun episode or uh, afterwards and then discuss two games. Anyway, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye.